Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey, friends, welcome back to today's episode, starting a brand new chapter in our Bible today, Romans chapter number seven. I've mentioned several times that Romans 6, 7, and 8 are the victory chapters in the book of Romans and in your life, Lord willing. And to understand them and to apply them is just so vital. Last chapter, we learned about the importance of knowing some things and then reckoning, activating that truth in a practical way in the moment. Reckoning, yielding, uh, so knowing Reckoning and then yielding, presenting our bodies. And, and Paul's going to kind of make a general statement about all of that in Romans 12 when he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. In chapter number six, though, he really breaks it down to every part of our being ought to be a willing yieldedness to the Lord. Lord, take my eyes, take my ears, take my hands and my feet. And Lord, I just want to honor you with the life that you have saved. And that's a great way to look at it. Look at Romans 7 and understand, of course, as I often say, that the chapter divisions were not there. So let's not lose the luster of the context because we're starting a new chapter. And so look at verse number one. Romans 7, verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So among Paul's readers were Jews and Gentiles, and he spoke to both. And in this case, I think he specifically now is talking to those that are conversant with the law of Moses, the law of God. But not necessarily only those that are conversant with the law of Moses, because as we have learned, there there is really another law that applies to our knowledge of sin and to our guiltiness before God, and that is the law of conscience. So in one sense, the Jews really know the law of Moses because they're the curators of that law. The oracles were given to them, as we pointed out in Romans chapter 3. But we also know that the Gentiles, which have not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing them witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So in either case, we as human beings are aware of the fact that there is a law that indicts our sinful behavior. So look at verse number one again. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth, or as long as he lives. So the law, as we have found, is a very powerful thing. Why? Because the law is unyielding, it's unbending, it is absolute. And the law holds dominion or jurisdiction over a person as long as he's alive. Now, a dead man is not under the law. I can drive down I-95, and if I go too fast, I might expect that the law enforcement officer would pull me over. Not that I ever 
drive faster than the speed limit. This is purely hypothetical. But if I am in the back of a car called a hearse and the police officer pulls over the hearse driver, I'm not going to share in that ticket as a dead person in the coffin in the hearse. Why? Because the law no longer applies to me. Why? I'm dead. And so he that is dead is free. He's free. Uh, the, the law, there's no compulsion to obey and there's no punishment for disobedience. Okay, it's, a, it's an easy principle to understand. Now, where is the Apostle Paul going with this? Why would the Holy Spirit give us that illustration? Well, look at if uh, verse number two, where not only the illustration of, of death, but also now the illustration of marriage. Now, I know some of you would say tongue-in-cheek, it's the same thing, death and marriage. No, it's not. Especially in my case, I have a wonderful wife. But look at verse number two, where the Bible says, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long, so long as he liveth. So, if a woman has entered into the bonds of marriage with her husband, uh, he, she, in essence, is under his spiritual authority. I know that's not popular to say anymore. Doesn't make her less of a person and him more valuable than she. No, not at all. But understanding governmentally in the home that she then is under the jurisdiction of the dominion in that, in that sense, although that's probably not a great modern day word to use to describe it, but understand what I mean. She's under the jurisdiction in that sense, the law of her husband, as long as she lives. And what happens when husband passes away? Well, you might say, as a lady listening to this podcast, you'd say, I'm free, right? But the point here is you are free from the law of your husband. You're not under his jurisdiction anymore. He's done. He's dead. You're, you're not bound to a fidelity to him because he no longer is on planet Earth. So the Bible says she's bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. Watch this. But if the husband be dead... She is loosed from the law of her husband. Now, so get the two illustrations so far, the illustration of life and death, and then the expanded illustration of a woman that's under the law to her husband, uh, but only as long as he lives. Is it binding? Now look at verse number three. So then, and oftentimes that's the way the Apostle Paul will make his transition from Okay, we're starting with what we agree with. We're starting with this illustration that you're going to understand. So then, so here's the, here's the point I'm making based upon these true, two irrefutable truths. So, so then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Again, that should not be hard to understand. So here's this woman. She's married. She's under the jurisdiction of the law of her husband. She decides, I don't want to be with my husband. I don't love my husband. I'm not going to follow my husband. As a matter of fact, I want to choose that man to be my husband, and I'm just going to go live with him and sleep with him and follow him. That's what I'm going to do. Well, the Bible says there's a word for that. That's called adultery, where she is willingly saying to her live husband, I don't want you, uh, I am, I'm not going to submit to you, and I'm leaving. Now, I know inevitably that 
my saying that's going to bring up all kinds of questions about, you know, when is divorce justified in the Bible? And what about somebody that this is not this, the, the point of this argument here is not a discussion about divorce and remarriage like we covered in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So just follow the, the, the general teaching here of the passage. So a woman who's married is under the law of her husband. If while she is married and he is living, she chooses to abrogate her responsibility to that law, then she is clearly a sinner in the sense that she's committing adultery. Now look at this, verse number three. So that she is an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Verse number four, wherefore, my brethren, so here's the conclusion. Wherefore, therefore, those are words of conclusion. So wherefore, my brethren, ye also. So here's the applicational conclusion. So get what we've learned so far. The law is applicable to people that are living. Specifically, the law of the husband is applicable to a husband while he's living. And the woman is accountable as long as he's alive. Wherefore, verse number four, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Okay, so let's follow the logic. The logic here then is, okay, we too, as believers, we are dead to sin and to the law in that sense. Now, when? When did we die? I don't feel like I, there's been times I felt like I died. There have been mornings I've not wanted to get up. And I feel like I'm resurrecting from the dead. But in what sense have we died? Well, we talked about this in chapter 6. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's extending this metaphor, isn't he? By saying, hey, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died for sin, when Jesus died as me, the Bible teaches that I died with him. So the Bible says, I am dead with Christ. Now, if Jesus never rose from the dead, then that would be bad news, right? That all I get to be is dead. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The gospel, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So just as I share in the death of Christ, dead to the law, dead to sin, uh, dead to that former life, the old man is dead, so I am also alive with Christ. Now, Christ's resurrection is a very practical principle in my life because I live because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. We sing that song. He lives, he lives. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. So there's life and it's vibrant life and daily life and eternal life that we have in Jesus. So I, I am dead with him. I am alive with him. So I am dead to the law, to the old man. I am alive unto God. Now we're going somewhere with all this and all this has very, very practical implications for you and me. So look, if you would, at the end of verse four again. So even to him that is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. 
So now in this new relationship with Christ, this, to borrow the metaphor, this marriage relationship with Christ, which is an, which is often used as an illustration of our relationship with God through Christ. Sometimes the illustration of a body is used. Jesus is the head, we are the, the body. Sometimes the illustration of a building is used. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We are built upon that, building material. Sometimes the illustration of a bride is used. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. That's Ephesians 5.25, um, and that, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. So often, so here the Bible teaches that being alive with Christ, our live husband, Right? We should bring forth fruit unto God. Why? Because a marriage relationship is, is supposed to bring forth fruit. And fruit here would be childbearing, uh, the growth of a family. And so my relationship with Christ ought to be fruitful. I ought to be living him, living for him and following his headship and, and, and bringing new people through the help of the Holy Spirit into introduction with Jesus Christ, bearing fruit in that sense, whether it be the fruit of souls saved or the dispositional fruit of the attitudes of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The fact is the Christian life ought to be a fruitful life. There's John 15, many passages. Look at verse number five. For when we were in the flesh, we the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So before you were saved, uh, we were under the law. And what did the law do for us? And I'm just going to kind of tease this out because we'll talk about this more uh, next episode. But when you were without Christ, you were married in that sense to the law. Did the law help you become more godly? No. In fact, the insidious thing is that the fact that there was a law that highlighted the things, don't do this, and thou shalt not do that, that actually exacerbated our sinful choices. It actually fertilized our sinful behavior. The law didn't at all make us more godly. No, the law revealed more ungodliness and incentivized more ungodliness. What in the world does that mean? Well, we'll come back to that tomorrow. It's a really important lesson tomorrow, so please don't miss it. Why legalism fails in justification and why legalism is an abysmal failure in sanctification as well. Hope to see you next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.